Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We're back. Way back, 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 back. More hit and run Sunday mornings from 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score. Bellinger leads at second, Swanson away from first. And the one two, swinging a drive toward right center. Back goes Robert, back near the stands. That ball is gone. A game winning home run for Chris Burrell. Can you believe it? Listen to this crowd. That from Pat Hughes on Wednesday night. An outrageous, outrageous evening at the ballpark that we will uh, talk about in a, a couple of minutes. It is Hit and Run here on 670 The Score. What's up, everybody? Bonus Hit and Run. As uh, I, Matt Spiegel, am with you until about 1240, so a couple more segments to go. Phone lines are open. Sean, break them open. There they are. The button has been pressed. You want to hop in on anything Cubs, anything White Sox, this is your time. Appreciate you listening. As always, really a thrill to do it in this two-team town as we have discussed. Coming up later on, um, 
when the White Sox and the Rockies will continue their series. It'll be Dylan Cease against Chris Flexen out there in Colorado. Yesterday in Colorado, uh, the Rockies put up a big pile of runs on the on the White Sox. They beat them eleven to five. On Friday in Colorado, the Rockies put up a big pile of runs on the White Sox, beat them fourteen to one. And everybody who pitched for the White Sox the last two days has given up runs. Every single player who pitched has given up runs. And so it was Kopech, it was uh, Jesse Schultons as the starters, and everybody in the bullpen uh, both days uh, given up runs. So that's, that's not a great place to be. Luis Robert continues to be really, really good. That is the best baseball player in town. Had that conversation earlier in the week. You want the next five years of Luis Robert or the next five years of Cody Bellinger? Fun to have a couple like that. A couple of real good center fielders. And the answer is Luis Robert. Because if he can stay healthy, it's just, there's just, the, the, the potential for, for everything is, is just, it's outrageous. Yeah, that's a five-tool player. That is a, that is a legit five-tool superstar it, who, if he gets the most out of those tools, would be something to watch. I mean, right now, the best five-tool center fielder, and I feel like that's its own thing. I always have in baseball parlance. Maybe it's because the model for me is Willie Mays and Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle. Uh, hit for average, hit for power, field, run, throw. The guy right now who is showing it, in the last mm, two weeks, three weeks, especially, is Julio Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners is hitting 425 this month. He's hitting 485 over the last two weeks. His, his hit total in the last four games, four, five, four, and four again. And four hits in four straight games. It's unbelievable. And that dude is a beautiful base runner. An incredible fielding center fielder, a true five-tool superstar. And when it's center field, it matters more, right? It does. Like a five-tool shortstop. Hey, there's one of those in town right now. It's Bobby Witt Jr. of the Royals. That guy, I, that guy is a top ten player in MLB with a chance to be a top five player in MLB. And guess what? Right now, if you look at F WAR wins above replacement on FanGraphs. You will have Bobby Witt Jr. in your top five. He's right there. Luis Robert is very high as well. Let me, let me go over to the old fan graphs and see where Luis Robert is on that one. Because uh, there's two different kinds of wins above replacement. There's F-War and there's B-War, baseball reference and fan graphs. So, and fan graphs is the one that has the, uh, the, better, the better formula. So, we will use that and check it out in a matter of moments. But, man, so that Morel homer, just, just, uh, uh, just amazing. And the whole game and the, the, the Cubs' socksness of the whole thing. It was a, a tremendous vibe with the Cubs fans and the Sox fans there together and having, you know, the war of the chance. And as you're walking to and walking from the ballpark, everybody mingling. I didn't see any fights. I don't know if there were any fights. I didn't see of any reported. But, man. The just everything, everything about that night was was really special, and it, it it got me. It got me into that place 
that where, where I had to say to myself, yeah, I think that's a top 10 game of all time for me. Um, number one is 2016 World Series Game 7. Number two is Mark Burley's Perfect Game. Uh, number three is Nolan Ryan versus Roger Clemens at Fenway Park in 1991. Uh, number four is probably the Cubs-Reds Field of Dreams game. I'd say number five is probably game two of the 2005 World Series when the White Sox won. Yes, that's the Putsednik, uh walk-off and the Conurco Grand Slam. That game, the White Sox fans just stayed and hung around for like 20, 30 minutes just singing because they knew it was, they were done, you know? And the songs that just kept playing and like, or it's like Go Go White Sox and, and Na Na Hey Hey Goodbye and just all the other stuff and, and Don't Stop Believing. And it, it's just, and the fans were just hanging around singing. Nobody wanted to leave. Because they were up 2-0 in the World Series. I think everybody knew they weren't coming back. And they didn't. They went to Houston and, and did not come back. So that's my top five. It's a pretty good top five. Yeah, dude, that's a stacked top five. It's pretty stacked. I, I tell you, my friend, my friend Milt, remember when I was in Milt's basement a couple weeks ago on Parkins and Spiegel? Yeah, I was actually on the board for that. Oh, okay, yeah. Milt's basement, just a, an incredible treasure trove of baseball memorabilia. Here are his, his top five, okay? Okay. He, guy was at Game 7, 2016. That's still his number one. Uh, the Bucky Dent game, Red Sox-Yankees in 1978. Okay? Um, the Cubs clinching the pennant in 2016. So he's a big Cubs guy, so it's Cubs-Dodgers. Milt Pappas's no hitter in 1972. My guy Milt was at Milt Pappas's no hitter. Number five, the Field of Dreams game for the Yankees and the White Sox. He's at the Tim Anderson walk off game. And some of the rest. He's got the Conurco Grand Slam game in there in his top 10. Pete Rose ties Ty Cobb for 4,191 hits. Uh, Dave Steeb, no hitter in Cleveland. Ron Guidry versus Mark the Bird Fidrich in 1978. Are you kidding me? And also, he was uh, in Milwaukee for the Brewers clinching the pennant in 1982 at Milwaukee County Stadium. It's ridiculous. That guy's list. That's a heck of a resume. It's ridiculous. There, Outrageous. Freaking Milt. All right, let's go to the phone lines, talk to you guys about the Cubs and the Sox, whatever you like. This is John in Dallas on 670 The Score. Hello, John. Hey, guys. How you doing? Enjoying you today. Two quick points. You got to uh, – the, the move that he made in game one against the Royals, the manager, bad move. Nowhere in the world do you pinch hit for wisdom. Who over got 20 or more homers for magical. Hmm. What kind of manager, you down one run, you need one run and a home run to win, Gonna bring in magical. Who got two home runs and you got wisdom in the game? No, that's bad move. And my last point, you gotta sit, you gotta sit half against left hand pitching. Hmm. Look at his average. Yeah, he cannot hit left hand pitch. Yeah. He's not a good right hand batter. You know, hang up. Here's what you got to say. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, look, you you're on it in terms of of where the where the issues are and your opinions are, are passionate and they are strong and they are understandable. Um, as I look at Ian Happ's splits, 
versus left-handed hitters, uh, left-handed pitchers, excuse me, it's a 676 OPS. It's been bad. There have been stretches where it's been good, but it has largely been bad. At the very least, he ought to be moved down in the order. I mean, against, uh, against left-handed pitching. I, I, I mean, I think that's well overdue. In my opinion, Cody Bellinger should be in your top three. You could argue for second. You could argue for third in the batting order. But in no universe should the first inning end with Cody Bellinger not getting an at-bat. Well, see, like the thing that I I like having a switch hitter in the four hole. Like I like having that cleanup hitter, and that's why I get maybe having Hap there. But you have Candelario there. Move those two around. Yeah. Put Hap at eight. Put Candelario at four or five. Yeah. Yeah. Can, really can, kind of solves it. Where was Candelario hitting in the Washington lineup? By the way, he was like five or four around there too. Uh, okay. So sometimes he would take at bats in the two hole. All right. Um. But yeah, I I think I I, I mean that that to me is overdue. That, that, to me, is overdue, um, and I'm not sure what the holdup is. I mean, Ian's a grown man. He's a big boy. Probably handle it. He's been demoted before. <laughs> like, he can handle these things. The Madrigal wisdom pinch hit was a really interesting moment. Here's the thing about wisdom. He swings and misses like crazy. They needed contact there. So that's the idea, is that you needed contact because a single – I mean, you don't necessarily want him going for a home run. Home run would have been great, but you need you needed a guy who was going to make contact for you and try to get a single to drive in what was the tying run at second base, and it didn't happen. Magical. I think it was first pitch. Grounded out. Grounded out. Just hit like a basic grounder to short um, for a fielder's choice. So, yeah, bad. Bad outcome. Process. I Here's, here's the problem with wisdom right now for me. They clearly don't like him against all lefties. They clearly like him only against certain lefties. And I don't know what it is, if it's velocity that they don't want him to face, if it's the certain plane of a pitch or the kind of breaking pitch. I'm not sure what differentiates the left-handed pitchers that they're like, yep, let's give Wisdom a start today. Or nope, let's not have Wisdom have a start today. But basically they're splitting the right-handed third base at bats between wisdom and madrigal but sometimes they're playing wisdom at first because they think he's better there than third base and you can't learn it it if the tucker barnhart dfa was a patrick wisdom dfa i would not have been surprised like and then maybe miguel amaya could have some of those wisdom at bats i i that that, that would have made plenty of sense for me because I, I don't really understand which lefties are wisdom choices and which are not. So um, I do know in terms of like on baseball reference, they break down the breaking and off-speed pitches. Yeah. Off-speed pitches, um, wisdom is crushing them. He's slugging 939. Okay. So against breaking pitches, 344. So, so maybe, maybe it's high velocity. That was late innings. That was that lefty for, for the Royals in, mm-hmm. in there. And he, so he may- crushes the bottom half of that zone. So yeah, yeah, splitter yeah. changeups. That's what he. So it's probably play. high fastball that they're that they're afraid of. That high fastball means strikeout for wisdom. That would make all the sense in the world. Right, pair that with the curveball. Yep, yep. Because when that inning started, I'm like, here you go. Thank you, three batter rule. Thank you, three batter rule. Here's a lefty, and you're going to have to face either wisdom or morel or or maybe both. So. You know, um, I, I thought that's where uh, we were going, but then in, instead it was, it was magical. Um, let's go to Ron on the south side on 670 The Score. Hello, Ron. How are you? 
Oh, Steve, I really wanted to get in um talk to you today when I was listening to you talk to Lee Smith, and he mentioned Buck O'Neill. I just have to tell you a very special story. It's in 1995, I'd gone to Kansas City. They were having the 75th anniversary of the Negro League. At that time, Buck O'Neill was the director of the uh, museum. So, Speed, I got to the museum maybe 20 or 30 minutes early, and he let me in. He said, well, it's not open yet, and I had a chance to sit down with the great Buck O'Neill for about a half an hour. And, but but the reason I wanted, wow. wanted wow. to call, because like yourself, see, my passion is baseball and music, but particularly jazz. And see, that was Buck O'Neill's path. He talked about uh, jazz and the Negro baseball league flourishing on um, the historical uh, 18th and Vine district. Uh, and I, 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 I've been there, but uh, I, I, I really love him because those are my passions. I, I have a a great appreciation to understand about the Negro baseball league. And I'm a tradition when it comes to the jazz, Charlie Parker that came out of that. But hey, I, hey, Ron, I just, I, hang on, hang on a second, Ron. So the jazz museum is right across from the Negro leagues museum, right? Yes. Yes. I got to yes. go. I, 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 I yes. got to go. Oh, speech, speech, please, please. But, and again, I, I was there, I've been there a couple of times, but I, when I had and that night, I did attend a, uh, the uh, dinner for all the, the players from the um, Negro Baseball League. But I really wanted to just mention that because those are my two passions, baseball yeah. and jazz. And, and, and lastly, I, I, I've watched the White Sox over 50-some years, and I actually don't even want to talk about them. I've been, I've been through seasons when they lost 100 games, been through the Bevington uh, saga. But I always found a reason to watch Listen to the game to go speed. This is the first time I don't watch him, don't li- listen to the games. Uh, Louis Roberts, that's, it's, it's just not enough. This this team is in, 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 in turmoil. But more importantly, thanks for letting me talk about um, Buckner. And please, speed. Get to get to those museums. Okay? I will. I got to. I got to. It's a crime that I haven't been. So I got to make that a, a destination. <clears throat> that's for sure. You know, uh, Ron mentioned Lee Smith, and I had wanted to play some of this for Lee Smith, but we didn't get a chance to. Latroy Hawkins, the former Cubs pitcher, Minnesota pitcher, lots of teams, and a local guy, Latroy Hawkins. Um, Indiana, I believe, for Latroy. Uh, North, Northwest Indiana. Um, he, let's see, yep, Gary, Indiana for Latroy. He grew up seeing Lee Smith pitch in Cubs afternoon games, and he talked about it with me on Hit and Run a couple of years ago. Um, So I thought of you because I was reading a piece in The Undefeated uh, the other day about Lee Smith and just about, you know, I loved Lee Smith. A lot of people loved Lee Smith. But what I hadn't thought about was maybe how young pitchers growing up, how young black men growing up, thought of Lee Smith as you watched him on television and you as a kid in Gary, Indiana, how did you feel about Lee Smith when you saw him pitching for the Cubs, uh, especially? Well, watching Lee Smith play for the Cubs is, you know, a huge part of the reason why I wanted to, to play baseball and wanted to be a pitcher. Um, I lived about 
14 blocks from my junior high school, and I would run home after school to watch him pitch. I got out of school at 3.30, game started at 105, 120. <laughs> so I would run home and watch him pitch about 3.30 just so I could see him. I love to see him run into the game. I love to see him, you know, the way he attacked hitters, how aggressive he was, how smooth. Um, I can't remember every time seeing Big Lee Arthur get upset. He was just, he just, it was all about business. He went out there and did his job, and that's what he, and that's what I remember the most about him. And actually meeting him in Fresno years after that and calling my mom and telling her, guess who I just met? Lee Smith. And it was a huge honor for me. Just a huge honor to watch him go about his business. That that's awesome. Um, yeah, he he had he had a um, a class about him, right? Because he never he never got mad. I don't ever remember seeing him volatile like that. And 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 I wonder if that was important it, it, it itself as well. Just to see to see a man working with the class and the integrity, the consistency that that he clearly worked with on the field all the time. You know what? I I'd wanted to, I tried to model my demeanor after he was on the mound because I didn't, never wanted to get too high, never wanted to get too low, and I saw him. And that's how he was. And, you know, from time to time you have a, you know, you might get a little, you know, a little excited on the field. But, you know, for the most part throughout my career, I try to, you know, try to have the same demeanor, cool, calm, collective demeanor on the mound like Lee Arthur had. And, and that rubbed off on me. And, and I'm glad I had a chance to watch him as a young man, you know, who wanted to pitch on a daily basis, um, you know, watching WGN. It was a, it was an honor. And, I'm I'm thankful that he was able to go out there and and show you know black kids that you know what you can pitch and you can do a lot of things in this world and and be successful in baseball is one of them. Man, that's beautiful. Thanks for going to find that, Sean Sears. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on six seventy. The score twenty minutes away from Cubs Royals pregame. We're back with more Hit and Run. Are you crying? Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. On 6-70, the score. No crying. Well hit. Deep right center. Off the base of the wall. McLean shifts through second. De La Cruz up to second. Furious wind is on. McLean to the plate. De La Cruz to third. And first plunge. One run game. Folks, that guy, there has been uh, a plethora of incredible moments for Ellie De La Cruz to show off his amazing tools and baseball instincts. Um, I've seen this one described as his most breathtaking yet. It's pretty great. It's this, it's the sprint, especially it's it, basically it's an inside the park home run. Unless did they call it a triple and an error? I don't know. I think they called it a rule that a triple and an error, a triple and an error, but like, it's the sprint from third to home with that long, long body and the headfirst slide. It's like, I mean, he leaps to do the slide. It looks like from 20 feet away. And then he's on the dirt for like, I don't know, half a second. And then, he's, he, then he has scored a run. It's just, it, it is incredible to watch. That, that dude is, is part of a very, very fun batch. 
of young and energetic baseball players. 670 The Score is where you are. Matt Spiegel is who you're with. It is Hit and Run. Cubs baseball coming up in about 10 minutes. Let's uh, squeeze in a phone call. We wanted to talk about um, our best friend in the whole world, Lynn Bramer, who I was talking about last hour with Joe Shanahan. This is Jim in Gray's Lake on The Score. Hello, Jim. Hey, good morning, Spiegel. Um, yeah, actually, it's afternoon now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I had the I had the the pleasure and the great fortune of uh, for a couple of years having tickets right by Lynn in section two twenty six mm-hmm. uh, in twenty fifteen wow. and twenty sixteen and so I got to talk to him a few times um, but I think my favorite story that just shows how awesome of a person he was is I was taking my wife to the game for our our ten year anniversary and I didn't really know. Lynn that well at the time and I sent him a note on Twitter. I said, Hey, Lynn, if you're gonna be at the game tomorrow night, can you just say happy anniversary to my wife Sarah, who's his wife is also Sarah. Mm-hmm. And he shot me a DM and said, I'm not gonna be at the game tomorrow, but give me her cell phone number. And I was like, All right. So I didn't really know him. Sure enough, the next day on our anniversary I get a text at work with a picture of Lynn from my wife. She had just gotten a call. He didn't just call and say happy anniversary. He called and like talked to her for like eight to ten minutes. <laughs> the guy is just an abs- was just an absolute legend. Miss him every day. I wish we could have been there last night. Had some uh, family things here at home, but man, just what a wonderful human being. So I'm so glad they did that celebration for him yesterday. That's cool. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate that. Yeah, emotions uh, flying high. Um, really, for the past couple of months, as I was putting that thing together. And very much so last night. Intense. Um, so I've been working on this podcast, as I segue blindly, uh, called the PBP Voices of Baseball. And it's been really a pleasure to work on. And I wanted to bring you a couple snippets of that before we uh, skedaddle out of here. This is how we rose the Mets broadcaster, the Mets play-by-play voice, talking about what had recently happened with Kevin Brown and the Baltimore Orioles on the PBP. The tone when you're doing play-by-play has to be pretty straight. You're observing and you're kind of reporting. Like, I can't even, even if I think it's a good tone, that's, oh, man, isn't this amazing? Um, You can't even, you really shouldn't even bring that necessarily. It's got to be a little more honest and clean. Does that that resonate with you, that thought? The big word, the most important one to keep in mind, unless you happen to work for the Baltimore Orioles, is honesty. (laughs) And that's a very, very important element to presenting a game on radio because they can't see it. Your your listener is depending on you or she. They're trusting you. And whatever your passion for the team or, or teams that you might broadcast on a, on a regular basis, your first obligation is to give a fair analysis and an honest analysis of what's happening on the field. And then everything else kind of falls in behind that. But mm-hmm. if your audience can't trust you, then you've got nothing. And mm-hmm. I think what we're learning from this debacle in Baltimore is that the fans want honesty and they appreciate honesty. And if a small-minded, small-town mentality owner or general manager or broadcast executive thinks otherwise, well, the fans are going to let them know that they're wrong. And, and that might be the best thing to come out of this whole Kevin Brown incident in Baltimore is that 
you know, an organization can try to play its fans for fools, but when the fans respond in the opposite fashion, to the contrary, then hopefully it'll be a learning experience for ownership and management in Baltimore and hopefully everywhere else that, you know, you might want your announcers to be, quote, homers, but you've got to implore them to be trustworthy. And I would hope that's the lesson that comes out of this whole thing. No, oh, here, here. Uh, the free Kevin Brown chance that Wasn't erupted. That uh, unbelievable. You, you, you get chills. It's just uh, it's just kind of a beautiful expression of of the fans desire to to have their baseball handed to them, as you say, with with honesty. You'd think the Angelos family would have learned from the John Miller stuff more than 30, almost 30 years ago. But no, I, but I, I, I guess well, not. You- Yes, you would have, Matt. You certainly would have. But, you know, when you are the the imperial, grand, high, exalted Mr. Gruler in an organization, you can be tone deaf and not have to answer to anyone until the opposition comes. And, you know, the free Kevin Brown chants, um, the, it, it was organic. Free Kevin Brown! And it, it repels the suggestion that fans want an announcer who's just root, root, rooting for the home team. That's part of it. I mean, I, I can't hide behind some cloak of um, objectivity is the wrong word because I think we, we try to be objective. But, you know, if anybody thinks I'm doing a Mets game and, and, and don't want the Mets to win, they, they laugh off that suggestion. I was a Mets fan since day one. And in all the years I've been a Mets broadcaster, they know I want the Mets to win, but that doesn't stop me from giving an honest account of what's happening on the field. That's the only agenda. Just be honest. Be fair. If you have to criticize a player, it's not personal, and and, and you can't bludgeon them over the head. A guy makes a bad play, you report he made a bad play, and you move on. Yeah, uh, your, your legit fandom makes the honesty more valuable, frankly. I, I always think of... Uh, of Animal House. They can't say that about our pledges. <laughs> Only we can say that about our pledges. Well played, Matt. Very well played. Um, <laughs> so, so was... I, I'm sorry. So, Howie, have you, did you ever have a moment, maybe before before a level of security kicked in, where you where, were you worried about something you said, where you were being honest about, uh, uh, about Mets struggles? Because Lord knows there were a lot of them. Well, in the in the early days of my play by play tenure with the Mets, when I was still trying to shake off my talk show background, I might have been a little more caustic than I needed to be about certain things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was never told, don't say this, but it was suggested to me that I might have been able to say it a little differently. And and I I understand that and and accept it because As we said earlier, there is this separation between talk show host and play-by-play broadcaster. And obviously, there are going to be times when your opinion is not only uh, welcome, but it's insisted upon, you know. But again, I've learned over the years, there's a way to do it. There's a way to say it. And you don't make it personal. I mean, once in a blue moon, you might just have one of those uh, difficult relationships with someone and you have to work extra hard not to make it personal. And in my talk show days, 
Um, there were a couple of times that I did get into personal stuff um, with certain management people back in the day, but that was just because of a, a wide philosophical gap in how a show that was predicated on opinions had to be mm -hmm. presented. And, um, you know, that was something that I think back now, and it's over 30 years, um, was unfortunate, but I think it helped really make me a better broadcaster. That's Howie Rose on the PBP, Voices of Baseball. Uh, very excited about how that podcast has gone, and I got some big, big hitters coming up. Man, some of the people that I've got on in September, I'm just so excited about. Can't tell you. Can't tell you yet. Woo. Come on, give us a hint, man. No. Come on. All right, well, one guy, his name rhymes with Bob Costas, is coming Ooh, on the PBP. That's interesting. Yeah. Who rhymes with Bob Costas? Yeah, I know. You can think about it. See, see how you do. Um, by the way, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but throughout this entire weekend, the BMW Championship is being hosted at Olympia Fields Country Club over there at Olympia Fields. And right now, as we look at the leaderboard, Matt Fitzpatrick and Scotty Scheffler will be the final pairing, and they're not going to tee off until um, about 12 minutes from now. They're tied at 11 under going into the final round. Brian Harmon and Max Homa are, will be the second to final pairing. They're going to tee off in little less than a minute, as a matter of fact. Rory McIlroy is there at minus eight as well in that top ten, so... Good leaderboard. Good leaderboard. Justin Rose, not too far behind. We'll see if he can make a push. And um, we'll see what happens over at the BMW you know Championship. Was a huge Rory McIlroy fan? Gene Grody. Mark Grody's mother. Mark Grody's mother. Yeah. She was giving us all the information about it. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to know that. Yeah. I, I really figured, I figured you needed to know I that. I did need to know that. I did. I didn't realize... I didn't realize that I needed to know that. Hey, is that Alex Kuhn right there? It is. Alex, yes. Alex, true story. This morning, very early, going to get coffee. I heard you closing out a fine episode of Score Values. And it sounded good, man. I've heard a lot of different people do Score Values through the years. I'm telling you. Can I tell you something funny, Speaks? Yeah. One of the part-timers... Uh, actually, after one of the episodes, says you kind of sound like Speegs, and I took that as a huge compliment. Oh, so. yeah, go for it, Pib. You know, I, I I didn't think it was good because it sounded like me. I'll tell you, that's not why I thought. But no, you sounded good, man. Sounded like a very professional broadcaster. I'm like, oh, look at listen to Alex Kuhn doing his thing. Thank you to the guests on the show today, Mr. King. Go find Sleep Baseball. You can search for it on your podcast apps. You can go to sleepbaseball.com. That is just freaking brilliant. And I think I'll be using that to go to sleep very, very soon. Uh, also on the show, Lee Smith. If you missed Lee Smith at 11 o'clock, find Lee Smith. It was a really, really fun interview. And Joe Shanahan from the Metro uh, was on the show as well. Thank you to Sean Sears for doing a great job, as he always does. Thank you to Connor O'Donnell for stepping in and doing the video stream today as part of our broadcast on Marquee. Thanks to everybody over there at Marquee, including Mike McCarthy, and thank you to Mitch Rosen and everybody here at The Score. Have a great day, everybody. Cubs baseball is next on 670 The Score. Not much wind here tonight, just a gentle breeze blowing out.
I think this is what the locals would call sleeping weather. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.